went to my first vegan restaurant the other day with Scott Tafoya, Scout Tafoya and Kenji Fujishima. What did you eat? Uh, lo mein. They didn't Vegetable. buy anything. They survived with the power of their own name drops. Yeah, I was about to say, are those name drops? Am I supposed to know who those people are? I was going to call them out later, but Jackson did it first. Good job, Jackson. Yeah, I was waiting for you guys to do it, so... I was waiting. I wanted to hear what food he ate, and then I was going to go, how did it taste with your name drops? <laughs> you, you people are so mean. I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> Welcome to Trashpect Ratio Episode 3. This is the Ides of October? October. Yep. It, the Ides of October are a statement. I'll you could know. call it all Hallows Ides. Okay. Yeah. Uh, nice. Thank you for listening to Episode 3 of Trashpect Ratio. Uh, we'll see you all next week, month, shit, every time. <laughs> Earn that explicit tag. Good yep. job. With me is uh, Matthew Marco, Destiny Sturdevant, and Hello. Kyle Turner. You can all say just so this is already a shit show. I've already dropped the ball and it's rolled away. Do you want to Hi. start over? No, that's part of the thing. We're fine. We're actually pretty good. You always good. ask that when we talk about how we failed. We never actually want to start over. We want... just want to point out that we're bad at doing this. I don't want you to like put your failures out there. I want you to go out with your best foot forward. This we is don't... our best foot. Yeah. <laughs> that's really sad. I was born with club feet, so I win. I was born with my heel cords broken. And We're not having this discussion. Okay, never mind. I was born and put in an incubator because I couldn't breathe. I was I was fine. Too. I was I was premature. <laughs> yep. That, that that's why I I, I wore can't doll clothes my, my first year of life. <laughs> the whole first year. I got to start cuz you had to, but then you just like these are pretty cool. Yeah, I kept them on. Kept them on. <laughs> kept them on. How's everyone doing? This Good. fine eyes. Made it through the birth. The 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 canal. I've been I've been better. God damn it. <laughs> Have you been, Matt? What? Have you been since better. yesterday? I've been better. I've been better. You've... Hmm, defi- wait, what? You've been better? Yes. Or in this time you have been better than you were before? As in, right now I am not at my best. Okay. Mostly due to the extenuating circumstances of the three people I find myself thrust with by circumstance. Okay. Three. Yep. Was that an insult? I can't tell. It was an it insult. It was disparaging. I wouldn't call it an insult. It was an insult. Always assume it's an insult. Yeah, it's, oh, it's a good assumption, wonderful. especially on this fucking podcast. Right. Hollywood Matthew Marco. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no problem. Has anyone seen any movies? Any films they want to talk I, about? I've seen lots of movies. I just got back from the New York Film Festival early, early in the morning, and I am tired. Very, very tired. Pick one. 
One? That is not fair. That's not fair. You can't do pick that. Pick one, me. and then maybe you can pick another one. Pick <clears throat> one first. Uh, I'm gonna go with um, Eden, which is a film by Mia Hansen Love. It's mm-hmm. about this young DJ in early 1990s Paris. He has a partner, and they are slowly creating the French touch within garage music and you get to see kind of the rise and the fall of this um, young DJ and the group around him but it's primarily about Paul and like if this were an American film it would be really terrible because it's essentially a man-child film that takes place over the course of 20 years but it feels very energetic and melancholy and really beautiful and it has Daft Punk in it like there are people playing Daft Punk, and it's kind of awesome. And it has a fantastic soundtrack. And what I really love is that it really shows kind of the double-edged sword nature to um, following your passion and how hard that is. It can either kind of consume you and go nowhere, um, or it can be kind of your release and, and your escape from life. So it's a really, really lovely film. And I'm That's excited cool. for that to get a release. How far away is that actually? <clears throat> For uh, us non-fancy film festival folk. It'll probably get a 2015 release. Cool. I'll, I'll check that out when it comes to town, as no one says. Uh, what about anyone else? Anyone else throwing movies into the hats here? Um, Two weeks ago at this point, me and Destiny went to see Man with a Movie Camera. Yeah! Woo! Yeah! It was uh, great! Which... 1929 uh, Russian silent documentary by uh, Zega Vertov. I assume I'm pronouncing that close to accurate. Um, and I had seen this before, but it had been several years. And uh, that is a remarkable movie in that as a, it, it basically documents the, a filmmaker filming various scenes around a city, like throughout the course of a day. But in it, it becomes this very, uh, meta postmodern look at what film can be because it's so much of showing you the techniques of film or inventing them wholesale for the movie but then because it's showing you behind the curtain of this person filming these things it gives you this impression of oh film by its very nature is an artifice and you have to go into it knowing even a documentary is an artifice but because of that it can create truths of like juxtaposition and analogies that make it more accurate to real life than just stating the actual truth could be. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, a remarkable thing. I think uh, if, go see this, go watch F for fake. I think they're both about the same thing uh, in slightly different ways, but uh, it reminded me how much I like movies as a storytelling device. That's cool. So good thing I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> especially as you're just talking about how much you hated movies. So that's oh, good. Oh, you know, someone's got to heal up this podcast. It's true. That's you. That's what you're here for. Yeah. About Destiny. Well, Matt took mine, so um, I did rewatch Spider-Man Two. You watched Spider-Man. 2. <laughs> you didn't oh, rewatch. <laughs> Why did I say that? Okay, I watched it the for the shame. first time. <laughs> no shame. No shame. <laughs> I watched it for the first time, and he rewatched it. And I think that's my favorite superhero movie, you guys. That's a good really? choice. It's pretty spectacular. What's well, your favorite superhero movie, if not that, then, Kyle? Because the genre's not, like, 
There's no... Uh, that's, that's up there. I mean, why did that get a disparaging comment? I'm just su- surprised. Um, my favorite superhero movie... Um, I don't know. I don't tend to gravitate towards them. I, I watch them occasionally, but... The easy answer is The Dark Knight. That's a stupid answer. That's a That's wrong my answer. second favorite superhero movie. My second favorite is probably Ang Lee's Hulk. Oh, I need to I, watch that again. I like Spider-Man I 2 because uh, it was dark without being like ridiculously gritty. It felt like um, a movie of another time. Like a either a 90s movie or like a 60s movie. It was super earnest. Um, the acting's great. I like that it it's cartoony without being over the top. But it's also... Like, it knows what kind of movie it is. And then I also like that Sam Raimi took a bunch of horror movie camera work and just placed it in this Spider-Man movie. Oh, yeah. thought that was great. I'll have to rewatch it sometime. I'm changing my answer. My favorite superhero movie is The Incredibles. That's a good that's movie. That's another good answer. That's another good answer. That's also out there. I, I'm going to defend The Dark Knight. I think it's a perfectly cromulent movie. It's totally the movie that I don't want other superhero movies to be. I I like the first 90 minutes of The Dark Knight a lot more than however long it goes on after that. Um, I would agree with that. I saw it so many times if, in the If that theater. movie ended when Joker escapes from the police station, that'd be a phenomenal movie. I was just, still into Batman being, you know, the villain. I don't know. I liked it. It was ridiculous. Because you knew he was going to redeem himself in the next movie. And even though the next movie was of iffy quality. Was garbage? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I didn't I hate it. I disagree that you knew that he was going to redeem. Like, when that film ended, I was like, okay, that's the end. I didn't even think that was a cliffhanger until everyone was like, what's going to happen to Batman? I'm, like, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm kind of interested in it just kind of as a film that somehow kind of is a proponent of the Patriot Act. I don't I think it's a really... good thing, but I think it's interesting how the film's ideology seems to um, support the idea that we have to make really, really, really terrible concessions in order to catch bad people. And it's obviously, like, the way that it portrays it is really reductive, but I think it's interesting nonetheless that it would do that in the first place. Yeah. Well, back to Spider-Man 2 for a second. I think what I would say about that is that... Because you're saying it was like a dark film. I think it's dark in a way that superhero films definitely aren't these days. In this, this is very earnest, emotional kind of darkness. It's a very sad film. It is. In many ways. Like, all uh, the economic struggle that he kind of goes through and how mm-hmm. he can't really... He's a superhero, but he can't help his aunt with her money troubles and he can't keep his personal life together and his friendships falling apart like these are real problems like way more interesting than uh, anything Batman ever went through probably because it's so relatable and yet he's freaking Spider-Man. All his like pain in his life isn't like an excuse to make his character gritty or dark it's just actual shitty things to deal with and it presents him in a very matter of fact way. Especially since he's like a young person and he's taking way too much on, but there's no way he can quit it because of mm-hmm. what he it's, believes yeah. in. It's great. It's uh, I love Spider-Man too. Yeah, I did I, not I, expect I, to like it as much as I did. I mean, I feel that way about both of the the first two Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies that I've seen. I feel like I totally underestimated them, and I'm glad that I've gotten around to them. I'm afraid to watch Spider-Man 3. I kind of want to deny its existence, but I'm sure I'll get to it. 
I don't remember hating it. I, there'll be stuff I liked in it, but I'm sure it's a bad film. I thought maybe it was it'll absurdly go back fun. Sorry? I'm sorry? Oh, no, I just was going to say maybe it'll be one of those movies where like half of it's bad and half of it's good. I don't know. I remember. I that's accurate. I, I remember everyone hating it, and then I saw it, and I was a young person then, or younger, and I. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't know why everyone hates it. I mean, it's very mediocre, but it's kind of. Yeah, some movies are just too ridiculous to hate, and I'd, I'd I'd rather hate on a boring movie than a movie that tries something. Like I think the mm-hmm. biggest crime is a boring movie. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I like um Orphan. It's totally ridiculous, but I love it. Oh, the, the little girl? Yes. Oh, but, I hate spoiler, that movie. <laughs> no, you're wrong. It's great. I don't think it's boring. I just think it's stupid. It's great. You're wrong. It's it's amazing. <laughs> the it's twist is so dumb. I'm sorry. But it What's takes itself so seriously. You've already spoiled it now. So. All right. So, oh, do you want to talk about it, Kyle, or do you want me? I'd like to talk about it because I think it's awesome and you're wrong. Well, I want Destiny to describe how stupid the twist is and then Kyle okay. to rebut you. Okay, okay, here's the movie. You got this couple. I know, isn't Kiefer Sutherland the husband in that? What is his no. name? Uh, no, Peter Sarsgaard, I think. Oh, yes. Sorry, they look alike sometimes. They both have the brow. You know? Okay. <laughs> that brow. They have that and brow. And Farmiga. Yeah. Anyway, so... <laughs> They adopt this child, and she's like this sweet little girl, and she... Oh, it's uh, Vera Farmiga and Peter Sarsgaard. And, you know... And the child is from Russia. Yeah, she's from Russia. She's nine, and she's mysterious. And, mind you, they adopted her after their unborn child died. And they have a... Don't they have a son? Yeah. Yeah, they have this And another daughter. Yeah, and she, like... Yeah, she terrorizes the other two kids, and it's a total good son situation where she's, like, freaking them out, but the parents don't see anything wrong with her, except her past is so mysterious, and she's weirdly wise beyond her years. She kind of flirts with older men. She And then you find out that where she was adopted from was a mental hospital, and... <gasps> Oh my gosh, she's actually a 33-year-old woman who has a hormone disorder, and she's been killing people, and she's not a nine-year-old little girl at all, and uh, the mother and the... a hilarious and insulting twist. Thank you, it's I, so offensive! I... That's like the most ableist shit I've ever heard. Uh, okay, okay. I didn't think of it from from that perspective... That being said, I knew the twist going into the movie because I mm-hmm. heard the twist and I was like, that's so absurd and, and stupid. I need to see this. I can but see you liking actually, it in a camp way. It's actually really fascinating because what you're watching is the dissolution of a marriage. You're watching this, these two people who already have this friction because of their the death of their child and their marriage isn't working. And then you're watching this person, little kid or whatever, um, slowly tear them apart and and pit them against each other like a child would do. There's and like five that... other movies about that, or 50 other movies better than that movie about that. Like what? Like That's um, a horror movie? That's a horror movie where there's... Poltergeist is sort of about two, like, childish parents sort of coming to terms with their... The fact that they're aging and they have to, like, step up to the plate and be responsible parents after this whole ghost thing goes down. Really, I didn't read it that way. I was too busy not being that interested in the movie. I guess I, I love that movie. I think it's terrifying. 
But I, I, I think Orphan is really, really fascinating, and and I really love the performance. That the fact that this actress is playing essentially like two or three roles at the same time. She's playing a little girl, playing a, an adult, playing a little girl. I, I just think it's really, really interesting, and I like that it doesn't take itself too seriously, nor is it self-aware. It is is earnest in its ambition. See, if it had been like self-aware and kind of campy, I probably would have liked it a lot more. It, but it just if it was were too like, oh, isn't this all so serious and arty and dark? And I, I think couldn't. if it were self-aware and serious, it would totally have undermined the entire thing because then it would just come off as obnoxious. Well, it is obnoxious, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think you are wrong. I know, we'll agree to disagree. But, agree to uh, disagree. Yeah. We're disagreeing. Yep. Well, cool. Cool <laughs> talk, you guys. <laughs> cool. Disagree. I'm cool. I saw two movies. I'll, I'll, I don't know which one to talk about, because they're, you know, they're a great double bill. <laughs> <laughs> In uh, Gone Girl and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, I thought we were going to avoid talking about this. Yeah, no, I've, uh, we are. Uh, we're not going to have our Gone Girl argument, because no one else here has seen it but us two, and we've already thought about this. I think Gone Girl's a piece of shit. I hate it. It's the worst. It's a bad movie. I want to see I it I think just it's to... actually quite brilliant. Mm. Well, you've been wrong before on this podcast, I'm told. Today, this is the caddy episode. This this month, this is the month we all decide we hate each other and we stop talking. Matt and I break up. We all unfriend each other on Twitter. That's and not this, what you do on Twitter. This is that. This is the equivalent of some movie where some elder parent dies and everyone comes together and fights, but then the the hatred of an outside force draws everyone together, like a nine year old child. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! That is so Tell me mean. about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Jackson. I liked it more than I had been expecting to, because I had been told it is an abominable piece of like garbage, worse than any other film ever since like the Last Airbender. So I was like, mm, "This is bad," but this could be a Dragon Ball Evolution situation in which you know you're watching a masterpiece. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 Dragon. <laughs> Uh, it's not Dragon Ball Evolution levels of the best thing ever made, uh, but it's 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 pretty fun. Uh, the thing that's like interesting about it and smart about it is that it's just as gross and shitty as any other Michael Bay influenced film. But the fact that it frames all this gross and shittiness from April O'Neil's point of view makes it way more palatable uh, and way better than a Transformers movie or what have you because uh, my, both Michelangelo and Will Arnett are continually harassing her and trying to get her to go out with her but instead of them being cute jokes they're really grating annoying people at one point Will Arnett wears a fedora and the film just destroys him for it which was pretty satisfying uh, but isn't it all skeezy and sexist though yeah but that's my point is that because the entire thing is seen through April O'Neil's eyes and you experience all the skeezy sexism from the perspective of a woman, it frames it very differently. Like, it's still a shitty Michael Bay movie, but I think that... I don't think I'm the best person to talk about this as a guy, but I think uh, a movie from a perspective that isn't just a dude's perspective is more important than not saying the right words. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I, uh, because half of it is it pl- like it has some weird things going on where like uh 
April O'Neil isn't being taken seriously in journalism because no one will listen to her about the fact that there are mutant turtles on the streets. <laughs> and it uses, like, everyone being shitty to her because she's uh, a woman stopping her getting ahead. So it's try- it has these, like, aims to comment on this, but it's also the most nonsense-dumb movie ever made where William Fitchner is working with Shredder to, cr- to save... To destroy the world to save the world by using the blood of mutant turtles. It's pretty ridiculous. But the reason I think it works is because the franchise has a stronger story at its core than any of the other nostalgia bait franchises. Yeah. Because at its heart, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is this. There are these four brothers. At the start, they hate each other. And then at the end, they get along really well. And you're like, yeah. So it, And that stuff is all there. All the themes of family and coming together and everything. It, it It's handled well enough to be an enjoyable cinema time. I didn't regret it. So I, that's where I came down on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I liked it more than Gone Girl. I uh, want to see this, actually. You should. You should check it out on DVD. I'm going to see both of those movies for science. I have no interest in either of them, but I feel like just to have the knowledge uh, that I've seen them, it'll it'll be worth the time. Do you have any interest in Ben Affleck's side penis? Yes, I do! <laughs> <laughs> that just comes out of nowhere in Gone Girl, and you're like, well, sure, go ahead. Bat, if I was Ben Affleck, dong. I would too. I've never bat been dong. into Ben Affleck. Neither have Flaccid I. Flaccid or erect? Flaccid. But, Flaccid. But, oh, then no. But he's a shower, so... <laughs> it's a shower, a shower scene. It's just uh, in a montage. It just pans across. <laughs> it's like, it's not a montage. What are you talking about? It's a montage towards the end. It's it's, it's not, not a montage. Oh, okay, there's no song playing, but it's like really short scenes wrapping up what's going. It's the ending wrap up bit. It's a separate scene. It's not a montage, and okay. I'm seeing it again this Thursday. For some reason, in my head, I've remembered time. it as a single shot in a montage. Because it was nope. so no. You were so moved by You're how wrong. upsetting the that's movie how I, was for you. That's how I would have, 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 made, have made a film. If the final montage of song playing, what happened to all these characters, single panning shot of Ben Affleck's penis. <laughs> well, I saw a 60-second montage of penises to Shostakovich um, in Nymphomaniac yesterday. Don't talk about that. I haven't seen it yet. Oh Hush. yeah, that's on Netflix. I need to watch that. Why haven't we watched that yet? Because no, you haven't long. seen because you haven't seen Antichrist. And I feel like you need to do that first. Not the uh, that the only the censored version. The the shorter version is on Netflix. The uncut version is on VOD. Okay, so which one do I have to see? The uncut. The, uncut, I the five point five hour version. It's that long. I am not joking. It is that long. So Kyle, did you see any more films? Um, yes, I did. Um, but I will just, my top five of New York Film Festival, uh, were Eden, Goodbye to Language, the Jean-Luc Godard film. Um, I feel weird saying Gone Girl because it feels too mainstream to be part of New York Film Fest, but it was. Whiplash, which was really good, and Citizen Four, which is a film about Edward Snowden. And I don't like it because of the information it relays about, um, the the NSA, but I think I like it because of the way that it does. Not the information itself, but the way that it relays that information. It's like data upon data upon data, and it's kind of narrativizing the whole idea of narrativizing how to relay information. And I think it's one of the most gripping documentaries I've seen in a really long time, so I definitely recommend that. Okay. okay. Cool. 
Thanks for sharing a top five. Oh, um... and he's so cute. I made a joke about <laughs> going to. I made a joke about going to see that movie because I hadn't planned to watch it, and then I decided to just follow my friends because they were going to see it, see the press screening, and I was like, "I'm going to see it because Snowden's a hottie," and I didn't actually know what he looked like. Or I forgot what he looked like. And then once the camera started rolling and we saw him, I was like, oh my, I am hot and bothered. He's he's like a nerdy cute. I could jam. I could jam to that. Is that what the kids are saying? It's what I say. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> that means That's my I jam. truly am an adult. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Destiny, what's your jam? My jam is Spider-Man Wait. 2 still. <laughs> And man with a movie camera, because I did not expect that movie to be as uh, awesome as it was. Matt forgot to mention that we saw it with the Alloy Orchestra playing music along with it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think, what, this is our third movie together? Going to that? Yeah, I've been to all of them. They This is their fifth year doing it. Yeah, they do that at our local arty farty theater film nope. streams. Never use that term, please. Oh, I just... I don't mean it in earnest. I it, it's just uh Oh, it's full of insufferable rich people. It's an art <laughs> theater. It sucks. <laughs> it, I don't think the theater sucks. I think No, the theater's great, but the crowds are terrible the crowds for are things just, like that. We gave you hundreds of dollars and we only go to one event a year and we never go to the actual movies even though they they're going to have all these great like they they have a really diverse um cultural bank of films that they show. They do Latino um awareness month movies latino awareness month that's not a real month latino history <laughs> they do um uh different i'm aware of the latinos the i am also aware and i support uh yeah and so do they... we Sorry. saw um phantom of the opera which was great and um oh what's it, that movie with lon cheney where he has the clown makeup on the man who laughs he who laughs yeah i think the, the last heard. laugh the Last Splash? The Last Splash, the Murnau film. Mm. Okay. Well. I also saw Metropolis there and uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Didn't Which I'm you, really jealous about. Didn't you also see Sherlock Jr. there? No, I've never seen Sherlock Jr. We even did, though you gave me a Blu-ray of it. We've, we saw... Well, um, if you are not going to use it, I will take it back. <laughs> what was the Buster Keaton movie we saw if it wasn't Sherlock Jr.? We have not seen a... Oh, uh, oh yeah, it was Sherlock Jr. No, you're right. <laughs> I knew we high. saw a Buster Keaton movie together because that's why Kyle sent us Buster Keaton movies. Right. Um, last night I watched try to prep for this podcast and I'll see another movie, High Noon, by uh, Fred Zinnerman, which is one of those like classics that's so indelible. I thought I knew what it was and realized I knew nothing about that movie when I finally sat down to watch it. That's a cool experience. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, what surprised me about that movie is how much it is about, uh, like the ethics of a Western setting and what it means to have like someone who has heroic ideals and what it means to be people on a frontier and what right and wrong actually applies to a situation where everyone's morals are maybe nebulous and there is no such thing as like a law that's been decreed by a government because everyone's just kind of on their own. Um, I think it resolves in a very typical Hollywood way, but, uh, the journey, cause most of the movie's runtime, like 80 of the 85 minutes is spent talking about 
whether or not violence should happen and who should be the actors and whether or not like the idea of defending a town against criminals is even a thing they want to pursue and there's just great stuff about the right to use that sort of violence and what it like choosing to be someone who stands up in as a like a police figure in a world where that's not necessarily a given that i thought was really good it's a really good movie i was surprised because i didn't think i liked that kind of western i wonder if i would like it i've never seen it i think you would enjoy it as like a thing uh, like a part of its history okay if i don't like westerns normally but i like the wild bunch will i like this I haven't seen The Wild Bunch. I don't typically count myself as someone who likes westerns that aren't made by Italians, but I did enjoy this quite a bit. <laughs> if it ain't got spaghetti, he's not into it. I love pasta. Me too. Should we talk about a movie this month then? Yeah. Should we do this? Yep. Let's Should do we this. get into this? Because we've been uh, keep keeping this at bay. No, I'm sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> yep. This discussion will be held in advance. <laughs> the media kept this discussion secret, and we are now uncovering this discussion for you right now. The government's leaking this discussion. Chicken or no, someone in the, someone leaked this discussion from the government. That's what I meant to no. say. No. Oh yeah. Uh, anyway, we for this month movie club there was a bit of a mix up, and we replaced Mike Lee's Naked with uh, the Bay. Which was Kyle's choice. Kyle, do you want to intro this? Tell us what it is, who sure. it's from, and why you picked it. Um, I picked Barry Levinson's The Bay. Barry Levinson directed Rain Man. And I'm sure he directed other things, but I don't remember, and I don't care. Um, <laughs> the Bay is um, a found footage film um, that explains or, or um, documents uh, a very strange... Um, eco um horror event that occurred in a small town on the fourth of july and what's going on is that they're finding that these isopods are kind of eating through people so to speak um and the structure of it is kind of based around the fact that all the footage that was taken that day it's um it's, a found, it's kind of an unconventional found footage movie in that it uses multiple sources, but all that footage was um, essentially kept from the public, and now this young woman who was there is um, doing an interview and has cobbled all the footage together to create a narrative of what happened on that day so that the public can know. Is that okay? Totally. Um, Why did you, you pick it? Why did you pick it? Oh, why did I pick it? Yes. I picked it because when I found out that Naked was on, it was not on Hulu, I thought, oh crap, what should I pick? <laughs> and I thought, oh, it's October, let's do a horror movie. And I picked The Bay because it's one that I really, really like. I don't particularly care for found footage as a style because mm-hmm. um, the way that it's often utilized, it feels very lazy. I don't have uh, anything against people using it necessarily, but the way that I've seen it often comes across as... Um, very slovenly kind of um, apathetic filmmaking but this seemed like it was really trying to rectify all of the issues that I've ever found with a, with a found footage style film it was trying essentially trying to fix all those holes like why are people 
still filming things? Um, what is the impetus for filming in the first place? Um, all those kind of narrative and questions were kind of fixed by having multiple sources of footage be its main source. And I think it's legitimately scary at some points. A lot, of, some of it is a little on the nose, but I think it's. Um, I, I think it it kind of is able to blur that line between absurd horror film um, and something that could hypothetically really happen, and deal it deals with issues that are something that we um, do talk about in a way that that's convincing and, and realistic. And interesting. Can I interject? Okay. Yeah, because you you got into it, so I guess we're gonna throw down now. Oh no! I just wanted to say that Barry Levinson, oh, yeah. in addition to uh, directing Rain Man, directed Good Morning Vietnam, Tin Men, uh, and Wag the Dog. Yep. Oh, okay. I should know those, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a known guy. I was... He's a big deal. He has Oscars. <laughs> I'm sorry. Liberty Heights as well. Liberty Heights I really liked. It's a 1999 Ben Foster vehicle. Um, so, oh, and Diner. Oh, God, Diner. If you haven't seen Diner, you're not moving people. Get to it, folks. Oh, fine, I'll do it. I'll get it done. So you liked it, Kyle. You liked it a lot. I love it. I've, I've seen it multiple times. Oh, okay. I, I also picked it because I was doing New York Film Fest and didn't have time to watch another movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. That's that's a sensible thing to do. What about everyone else? How did everyone else react to the bay? Who wants to take it. this? Hated it. <laughs> oh, it's oh. so bad. It was the worst. Like what? Do you watch a lot of horror movies? I do, do watch... watch a lot of horror movies actually. Like, how okay, have you seen the Wreck trilogy? Uh the the I've seen like parts of them but not the whole thing. Watch at least the first two of those and then come back to me with your found footage theories <laughs> i have seen enough found footage movies to have an educated opinion no i'm not saying you don't have an educated opinion that's not what i'm implying at all that'd be really rude i'm just saying <laughs> that's God for knows. me to do God, then you can't have any of that on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i would never that's rude no what i'm saying I is i will don't I be, worry. while i will concede that a lot of the uh filming was really clever like i really liked the girl talking to her friend on facetime and i understood why everybody was filming what they filmed i disagree that that's a lazy thing to do i i will argue that it's trendy and kind of overused but i feel like uh with maybe the exception of the paranormal activity films i feel like a lot of those movies work really well um uh, and and you're talking to someone who fell asleep and hated fell asleep in a theater when she saw the Blair Witch, fell asleep. My issue with uh the Bay was that not even that it was like it was it didn't know what kind of movie it wanted to be. Like it it starts out like a found footage. No, it doesn't. It doesn't start out like that at all. It starts out like this weird government conspiracy movie, and it then turns into like a, a found attack footage ad movie. on a politician. Yeah. And then and, it's got the voiceover and the cutting and the... Right, so... Will you, you think, trust this man with your money? And <laughs> and since you you already know going in that, oh, this water's dirty and it's going to make people sick and they covered it up, there's not any real sort of tension happening? Um, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was really messy overall. But uh, other people can interject. I feel like I've been talking a lot. I uh, 
I don't mind found footage. I think people's fixation on why would people be filming this is one of those uh, like hyper corrective nitpicky things that movie nerds do when they don't just don't like something and want to find a reason not to. I agree. I I, I, I think it's totally fine to just suspend your disbelief. We do it in a lot of movies all the time. Whether it's hey, swords don't make that sound when you pull them out of a sheath, there's or no hey, noise guns in don't space. do that, or yeah, there's no noise in space, or a thousand things that we just suspend disbelief. I think it's fine to do that in Some these movies. Some of the most irony moments think in these films are when someone goes, "Oh, why do you keep always filming me?" Like when they draw but, attention to it because it's like, no, but, it's fine. It's but I think that it's nice to have like a a reason as to why this this content exists. Because I don't you're think making a movie. I think it but works. I think in this within movie. the, I think within I think the logic of the. Regardless, of, it depends I, if you're using it as like an aesthetic or to make a point intention about the fact that it was because reco- that was the whole point of why it was called found footage. It was, it is found, therefore giving you context that you know this is a disaster that's going to go bad and the, like the questions about who made the footage why is the footage important who edited it are baked into the text but that's like only in like Blair Witch Project was that really you know that that's where that came from but since then it's just become an aesthetic form uh, that has been expanded upon and tried in a, diff- a bunch of different ways and like if the film doesn't go out of its way to answer that then I'm gonna not care At, so to continue my point because I was not done oh, sorry. um <laughs> uh all of this like mess of why like i it's i don't think a neat movie needs that and i think this movie goes out of its way to provide a context in a way that actually hurts the dramatic tension of a film um and either side of that whether or not they didn't explain it and it doesn't make sense or they over explained it would be fine if the actual part where this is a horror movie worked but this is not a scary film in fact it's a dreadfully boring movie in part because none of its effects actually work. Like, the boils are kind of gross, but the isopods are terrible because they're bad CG. And, like, your few bits of gore, like the cop who shoots himself, all bad CG. Like, just over and over again, this is a movie that relies upon, like, shock value, but it can't even get that right because it doesn't have the budget to give you good shock value. So instead, you get non-scares and you get gross-out stuff that just doesn't work. Unless you're really invested in these characters and they don't give you enough to do that because you have the mayor from Jaws and a girl on FaceTime and the yuppie couple in a yacht and you only care about them, as Destiny pointed out to me, you only care about them because they have a baby. Like, they're not actually characters that you give a shit about outside mm-hmm. of the fact that there's a baby there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing to invest in, so when bad CG happens to these people... It, it's not effective. I, th- it's sad that the only effective scare I think in the movie is when the cops go into that home and you don't even see what's happening. You just get the audio. Like that's chilling, but it's the only time it happens because they don't actually show what's going on. In every other instance, they give you CDC pictures and people pointing cameras at like their boils and like all of the weird isopods skittering across the floor, like a like just bad animation. It's not scary, and then. If it horror movie's not scary and it doesn't have like actual like thematic ideas for you to invest in, then it doesn't work on every level. I don't uh, I don't care how good its found footage justifies itself if there's <laughs> nothing to pay it off. Mm-hmm. I disagree that there's like nothing scary about it because I think the uh, the there's like a twenty minute period of the movie that did work for me. And it's like the after the after the intro after the setup. Um, where the film just becomes contagion 
and all these people are just discovering that something's but like, wrong. But, like, the stupid sci-fi channel version of Contagion. Yeah, like, luckily Contagion exists, so I don't have to get point and say, there's a good movie within here, because like, it already exists, and it's a poor version of it. But the core idea of people discovering something is wrong, these health professionals in this muted way trying to deal with something that is actually a massive, terrifying thing... And would you call it? I wouldn't call it a muted thing. You get haggard doctor and like cartoonishly inept CDC agents. They just kind of gape at the camera towards the end, uh, like but when it I becomes. Think, but I would argue that that is pretty realistic. Like, at the, at the and I think that's interesting. The, at, the, at the start of the CDC plot line, uh, it's the guy, the doctor. And he's talking to them, and the CDC's talking back. And they're just listing off symptoms and checking things, and it's all very mundane, and nothing's really happening. And I like that, because thrown against the juxtaposition of, like, you know, people in the waiting room knowing they're about to die, that's pretty scary. And, like, it doesn't play into the idea of the illness and, like, the conceptual fears at all, because... It you know it was like okay now it's the third act of a horror movie and we need to have a bad jump scare where she finds someone lying down, like, uh, and it abandons all of any of the like slow building just fear of nature that could kill you because it that's what it does and you can't actually stop it f- for the uh, the bad horror movie with no payoff. I don't think it actually even builds that because it spends its first 15 minutes telling you, hey, these char- this character's dead and this character's dead and this character's dead and then you get to watch that happen but you only get, here's their setup and here's the part where they die. Like, there's no actual ratcheting no. up of tension in any of those stories. There's, there's, for about, there's a little bit. Not in the individual stories but in, like, just the, like, the shots of the waiting room uh, the, like, the the interviews of the patients in the first time, those are kind of effective in a muted way. Like, I don't think that's the same thing as a horror movie. I think that that's a different kind of scary. Sure. Uh, because... But if you, like, if you wanted to package this as, like, a very straight-laced faux eco-documentary and take out all of the schlocky bits, I think it would be a more effective film for sure. And then those techniques would work. But that's not the movie they're selling. They're selling a movie that's supposed to be scary and, like, have this arc where you have these, like, creatures that everyone's afraid of. And, like, that stuff puts it in a context of genre fiction and it doesn't actually work. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I I would say that it's the schluckiness does bring like the fact that it can't execute on the end of it brings everything down but the biggest problem or thing hampering its any ambitions to be this kind of story about these people learning what's happening to them uh is that that plot line is all the build up for like some commentary about government conspiracies and you saw Hanarity inept CDC agents and this mayor covering up this plant and stuff. And by making it about these active, dull conspiracies, oh no, that we've destroyed the bay with chicken shit or whatever, uh, it loses any actual sense of this could happen. Bec- like, what's scary about it is the fact that they that no- nothing caused it. The, the fact that... Um, this is just a virus that happened to get you because this is where it struck by tying it in to people in boardrooms mumbling about being stupid they lose any and all semblance of the virus as a credible threat that you can leave the cinema worried about you know i kind of disagree i think for me what was scary is the fact that there was all this panic and i guess i i would agree with um jackson that it's kind of a lesser contagion um although i actually like it more than contagion um, 
I think the scary part for me is the fact that the there is this panic and no one's reacting to it really, and no one reacted to it until this footage was shown. I I, I don't mean less. There is a reaction, but it's an, like it is clear they are actively covering this town's events up. Like, mm. There's lots of comments to why is no one here? Why are they not sending the help? Why are they just letting us die? I uh, think that stagnancy, that stagnant quality of of government um, authorities, um, is interesting. Um, but it, it's compelling not pre- for me. It's not presented as a commentary on like uh, bureaucracy and how we are ill-equipped to fight I... something. It's it it paints them with this like cartoonish malice. Yeah, the... that's what I got from it. It was like, well, instead of making the movie from the perspective of like, well, oh, we gotta, you know, um, like what, like the t- instead of focusing on the terror of the people, they sort of focus more on like the mayor being like, I just don't want this to get out, and it doesn't really work. <laughs> yep, because he's this small town. He's just the this like parody of like, I'm a folksy mayor man. I used to run a shop. Also, I have committed a large conspiracy, and everyone is dead. Uh, and without the like well-meaning folks just fighting against something that's bigger than them, they just didn't. The, that element fell flat as well, and that was the only element that had real potential because that's you know. That's true. I expected the reporter girl to like uncover something and actually, like <laughs> the the structure of the movie where it's just her talking about it later didn't really work as well as they wanted it to. Like it should have been. It got yeah, a little predictable to have her go around and uncover stuff, but at least it would have been. It would have had a sense of some sort of tension or movement it just kind of felt like the same stuff over and over until everything was doomed and that should have been scary but it just felt really lifeless i i don't know what she had to do with anything well she was she was the reason they were filming you know what i mean like she was just the reason the movie needed a camera at this specific spot well okay we've got this news reporter and the reason why you know, we're getting all this crazy footage is because she's not a very good news reporter and the cameraman's just following her around. Like, it, it's a sloppy logic that kind of puts her in the position she's in. But then, like, the way the movie's structured, it's almost like she's a main character, but since there are all these other threads happening story-wise, she's not the main character, so it makes the movie feel hella clunky. Yeah, I was expecting, like, the end bit to be about her realizing the truth. Me too. Like, like I don't know how that doesn't happen. Or if it doesn't happen, I don't know how that has no thematic point to it not happening. Well, everything they tell you that's uncovered is, like, words on the screen saying, like, so-and-so, you know, leaked this, and I don't know. It just it did not work. Mm-hmm. Like, it should have just... I mean, I'm sure there's a good movie in there. Like, you could totally make an eco-mockumentary about, like, a horror premise, and it would... I don't know. I'm, I mean, those exist, but like uh, this specific story, like I think isopods are horrifying. It's really pleased oh, that somebody the most terrifying thing. Yeah, I'm glad somebody finally made a movie about creepy, creepy isopods. I'm just sad it was this movie because I feel like they uh, had a lot of potential and kind of ruined it in this like bloated, lifeless movie. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Kyle. We kind of shot on you there. It's okay. Such as my life. Doesn't doesn't mean we 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 like you. We don't like the bay. <laughs> it's true. That's it's what you have to true. remember when you pick the movie. 
Just because okay. we don't like the movie doesn't mean we don't like you. <laughs> that being said, Matt, don't fuck it up. <laughs> I was waiting for Matt to come in and go, it means I don't like you. Yeah, no, I, I like Kyle just fine. Uh, I actually just kind of don't care about the Bay or another. Like, I was bored enough that I wasn't yeah. even, like, angry at it. I just kind of shrugged. I wasn't and... angry. I was more... I was too busy being grossed out. I thought everything in it... Like, boil... I didn't even think it was gross. I can deal like... with blood and guts, but I cannot deal with pus and boils. But it was bad, pus and boils. No, I don't no, think it was that bad. It all makes me itch. Like, I can't deal. Like, even it's if it bad. looks crappy. Like, I mean, I grew up on schlocky schlock schlock and all that stuff still bothers me and it's fake as hell like it looks rubbery i still wince like <laughs> it's just it's a personal thing <laughs> okay that's fair <laughs> you gonna rebut anything kyle i mean you made you made your point you i see where you're coming from no i have nothing to rebut necessarily i mean we've all made our points and uh I don't necessarily agree with them, but <laughs> I want to watch. I left me really wanting to watch Contagion again. I I love Steven Soderbergh, but I just find Contagion very bland. Oh, I love. I, first time I saw Contagion, I I love that film. I also oh. do not particularly care for Haywire. I love Haywire's great. That scene where she's walking through the streets of is it Dublin, they go to. Yeah, Haywire's Haywire's not a good movie, but Haywire's hilarious. I've never seen it. Haywire's hilarious, but I, I actually think Haywire's legitimately good. I'll, I'll go to bat for Haywire. What's wrong with Haywire? It does what it says on the tin and oh, no, no. literally it, it's nothing not, more. It's not like a failure of a movie, but what it wants to be is like a classy version of direct-to-DVD action films. And it's really good at that, but that's not a thing I find a lot of like inspiration from and joy in. Sure. It's just a, yeah, that's exactly, yeah. Contagion, on the other hand, I think is just like a genuinely great, like one mm-hmm. of those kind of movies. Mm-hmm. That's what I would think of Contagion. Contagion I'm, sounds uh, like the kind of movie that would give me nightmares because I'm kind of a germaphobe. Yeah, it's not. I mean, yes, in fact, yes, it definitely 100 percent will. You totally will. What am I talking about? It's the most germaphobic movie in the world. <laughs> uh, but it's it's less about that. No, it, it it's it's about other things. But I Contagion's smart. I can't believe that film's like only 90 minutes long. There's about 75 characters and plot lines in it. Huh. Jude Law shows up as Haggard Jude Law. Which Jude Law would you like today? Smarmy or Haggard? Those are the only two options. <laughs> He's he is both. He oh, has awful smarmy teeth. Smarmy and Haggard. The best yeah. of Jude Law in one movie, huh? The, yes, uh, the best and only. No, the best Jude Law is in uh, is in uh, Side Effects. That's the best. Jude that's Law. that's the, that's Haggard Jude Law. <laughs> oh, oh no, I... that's Haggard Jude Law like transitioning into Smarmy Jude Law. Oh, because there's the moment at the end where he switches in a line. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> oh my god. I feel you want to like... talk about great Soderbergh genre pictures? Oh, side effects so good. Side effects is the best, worst, <laughs> beautiful, terrible thing. <laughs> Have you seen Trance? No, I need to see Trance. I okay. want to see it, even though I've heard it's terrible. It's appalling, but Trance and side effects make a very great double bill, because side effects, uh, they're, they're both films that start off as one film, and then go off into an absurd level of twists and nonsense and nothingness and ridiculousness. Uh, one film knows it entirely and is like, come along, that's side effects, and it just has fun with being this ridiculous genre film. And Trance plays it all very seriously, very, this is high art, this is this is our shot of, um, uh, who, who's the woman in that? 
Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Dawson. Yeah, I yeah. love her. Yeah, she, she gets naked to prove a point about James McAvoy's obsession with shaving pubic hair. Uh, because the, those. that's ridiculous. Yeah. But it plays that as a very it's that's his character, man. It's a very it's remember, very serious. Remember erotic thrillers in the nineties when they were a thing, like mm-hmm. a genre? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those. It's fully one of those. It's it's great because that scene comes immediately after another scene where they're artfully cutting around other naked people. And oh, yeah. then it's just it's full on bam. But and then Trance ends in one of the most glorious bits of nonsense ever. And like Trance is a bad movie and Side Effects is a great movie. I had fun in the same way with both. That's that's pretty special, I feel like. Yeah. So I recommend you should watch those. Yeah. Do we have any questions? That was a good movie club. Well done. We got some questions on Twitter that were directed at you, Jackson. I know, I I I, I put my phone on mute because I didn't want to all the notifications to come through. Okay. It's coming in. They're coming in, everybody. Will do. There was one question that I saw from stalwart question giver Callum Petch. Callum asks... We're doing questions now, by the way. Okay. Callum asks... (laughs) uh, What films do you enjoy in in spite of possible objectionable content? Oh, Mm. I could go on for days. Well, go on for two minutes. Alright, so when I was a little girl, this movie that I used to watch all the time, uh, from the 80s, Overboard, with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, and it's about this really mean lady and this mechanic, and in the beginning of the movie, they're on a yacht together, and she's super mean to him, because she's a mean, rich bitch, and she, um, like, totally is a jerk to Kurt Russell, and she falls off the boat and gets amnesia, and so Kurt Russell takes advantage of her by lying and telling her that they have been married for years and his three boys are their three boys. And this whole movie is this romantic comedy about this man lying to this woman about their relationship and using her. And then at the end of the movie, when she gets her memory back, she decides to stay with him because they fell in love. <laughs> I saw this film in uh, a year ago in college. <laughs> In like a writing class. What's really? it called again? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's overboard. That's yeah. Oh, overboard. that's the name of it. I thought you were just calling, saying that it went overboard. No, no, no. The movie's no. called Overboard. It's called. Oh, uh, it's okay. a terrifying horror movie about Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a romantic comedy from the eighties, starring real life lovebirds Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. <laughs> no, this movie's super. Like I saw it as an adult, and I was like, wow, this is just awful but i still have this soft spot for it because i Mm -hmm. saw it so much when i was a kid a part of my answer to this is in uh, the second part of callum's question which you didn't include he expressed guilt at enjoying sin city as much as he did okay yes and my favorite movies are like my favorite problematic movies are these genre movies i like horror movies i like like the hepburn tracy romantic comedies i like grindhouse pictures i like noir pictures and all those things are full of bad stuff like just up and down right but like i i don't think feeling guilty for enjoying those things is a like something that is worth engaging in because that's saying oh i like this but oh i need to cover it up oh because i should feel bad about this you can be hypercritical of these things and admit that they're bad and still enjoy them freely i i don't think you need to feel guilt about any of that as long as you're clear about 
where mm-hmm. it breaks down for you and how you think about it. And as long as you do come in with that kind of mindset, I mean, all of us here have watched a Woody Allen movie or two, and fuck that or guy forever. All forty-three. So. Yeah, some of us own box sets and books of his, and yeah, he's a terrible human being. Some um, of us bought. Are you talking about Woody me or Allen do you? Set. Oh, I do. Wait, I both a, of you. Go on. I, a, I bought a twenty-film Woody Allen box set last year. <laughs> and I only watched two of them and I was like oh, okay I guess I'm not finishing this box set then <laughs> I made it a project that took me about two years to watch all his feature films but going back to like film with objectionable content yeah. like yeah I agree with Matt I feel like you, you can be a critical fan like it's not hard like if you just because it doesn't mean you're condoning those things it's just like nothing these these movies are not uh, what am I trying to say I don't know what I'm trying to say I'm sorry you guys liking this film will not reflect poorly on who you are as a person unless you're like I really liked the racist bits in this movie because I'm a racist you know I like yeah. Soul Man because blackface is hilarious then I, I was about to say that with the jazz singer so good job for monitoring up my terrible dated references oh because uh, 1985 I, soul man so current so topical but, but even <laughs> even then like, like on that I, exact point they're like like i'm trying to think of a film like a film where the problematic part is the part that you enjoy like i don't know some i don't have any good examples in mind but there's a thousand action movies where the point of it is the shitty part and that is the enjoyable part like built into the DNA I mean, I think I think Sin City itself is a good example. Yeah, Sin City. Yeah, sure, Sin City. Um, oh, Matt and I both yeah. enjoyed the sequel, and I know yeah. it's really gross. Oh, I loved yeah. it. It was so much fun. I I wanted to see it because I love Eva Green. You should like, see it. She's yeah, great exactly. And she like her character is this awful misogynist archetype of this like sexy femme fatale spider woman, and that's totally shitty and patriarchal and gross. But she kills it. Mm-hmm. And I can enjoy that and still look at it and be like, that's a really shitty thing. Yeah. It, like, seeing the actress have fun with it and hopefully she's, you know, as long as you're, like, the, you can be smarter than the material you're in and I can kind of see her. And even if she wasn't, if she just was like, I think this is a great role and I'm going to play it and she played it straight. And I don't know Eva Green. I don't Maybe know. she did. I have no idea. But. Like, I think you can enjoy it and still look at it and say, oh, that's a shitty thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Kyle, anything? Uh, well, I like Woody Allen movies. Not all of them. I I find some of them to be insufferable, but I love Blue Jasmine. Um, I like Annie Hall, um, Purple of Cairo, etc. But I, I think... Um, the two ones that I actually want to talk about are there are certain James Bond films that I really really like and kind of the entire franchise is very problematic and it's depiction of women and whatnot. Um, and I kind of tried to justify liking Casino Royale for a very long time because I, I think uh, Vesper Lind is a very smart character but it still falls into a lot of the traditional tropes that a lot of Bond girls fall into. I think she's a step above most of them. But she's still a little... There, there are still some issues there. Um, but, but I take heart in the fact that she breaks James Bond's heart and turns him into an asshole. Yeah, but it's exactly the same thing. Like, she's a character that exists to be fridged. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's that. Uh, and I like Lars von Trier. And uh, he, a lot of people have a lot of feelings about Lars von Trier. And I still find, I, touching on what Jackson was talking about in terms of the problematic things being the thing you enjoy, it's not that I enjoy that he's problematic. It's just that um, I find when he's being problematic really fascinating to dig into why he's doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I watched the 5.5 hour cut of um, Nymphomaniac yesterday and I kept thinking wow this is kind of terrible but I'm wondering what, what he means when he's saying this what he's talking about and if he's trying to make a point or not if he's just making a really elaborate um, joke on the audience and being terrible on purpose and I find that really intriguing about his films and about his character yeah. because i think there's a lot of stuff that's in his work that's very redeeming like i find breaking the waves an incredibly moralistic film an incredibly beautiful and heartfelt film as well as melancholia but i think antichrist is really kind of horrific in, in some regards i think like okay going back to like i like both movies from von trier and woody allen but it's also like the like I can simultaneously think things are um, disgusting and offensive and still find like the artistic merit in them. Like uh, I don't know. I, I I don't have a huge like I know what I, what my limit is, and everybody has their own limit. And I wouldn't sit around being like people who don't watch these movies or anti-art because i just think that's the worst opinion uh but like i do people say that oh yeah people when you know uh there are people that think other people are stupid for saying they can't watch woody allen movies and it's like that's a horrible opinion uh yeah so i don't know i'm okay with like the kind of nebulous nature that all like that that being a movie fan like all of that entails like it's okay and if i don't want to watch a movie for a particular reason i don't think it's a bad thing and if i do want to watch a movie for a particular reason i don't think that's a bad thing either i don't know but that said there are a lot of films that i don't like because of their shitty parts like because of what they're saying oh yeah like for example uh like I saw Gone Girl, and I think that that film's super shitty, and I don't like anything about it uh, in terms of its themes and commentary and stuff. Even though there's like it looks good, it has well cin- uh, like uh, good cinematography and everything. And another example would be I despise Saving Mr. Banks because of uh, the stuff in that that's garbage, and that it's this gross re- corporate rewriting of history and romanticizing. Uh, selling your ideas to Disney as this guy steals this woman's work. Uh, Conversely, and... I love Gone Girl. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and even even uh, divorced from kind of the distancing uh, defense of oh, these are art movies about themes, and we're gonna like engage with the themes and think about what they're about. I like Medea. I think Medea's funny. Medea's still hella racist. Oh. Mm-hmm. I, when you said Medea, I was thinking no, 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 Tyler Perry, Medea. I knew exactly what you were going for. I was like, oh, time for Matt to talk about Tyler Perry. 
Tyler Perry released anything this year. I would say sexist before I'd say racist. Oh, sure. For sure. But it's also, like, trading in, like, mammy tropes. Yeah. But I guess my thing is, it's not a white person putting that out there. So it's a little different. But the way it, like, wraps, like, the concept of being an angry black man and having to deflect that through, like, cross-dressing is still, like, a racist thing, too. I think it's... I mean, yes, it's also Yeah, I think it has way more to do with, like, gender stuff than race stuff. But no, I'll, I'll, I'll give that to you. I just, I think I see it a little differently as the token black person on trash effect ratio. <laughs> it is intersectionally problematic. How about yeah, that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there we go. Now we're on the same page. Speaking of Gun Girl and Tyler Perry, uh, David Finch said in an interview that he is jealous of Tyler Perry's work ethic. He should be. That man does everything. Thing. Yep. <laughs> Dave Fincher was like, he, he's just, he, he makes a thousand movies a year, and I wish I was him. <laughs> uh, if only the movies great. were better. We had another question. We do. Uh, if you, uh, this is from Anime Dad. I don't know his real name. That's his Twitter name. <laughs> his real name is Anime Dad. He was born in sounds Anime like, Dad. Sounds like someone who'd hit on me on Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, I think this is an ironic anime dad. I don't know if they're into anime. I doubt it. Uh, the question is, if you had to choose a director to redirect your favorite film, who would it be? Oh, good question. I, I will broaden it. the definition to a favorite film of yours. Cause, but. Do they have to be alive? This is the land of questions. The land of questions that have no rules. But yes, they have to be. No, they don't. <laughs> I feel like Matt and I were just talking about some movie recently, and we were like, man, if so-and-so had their hands on this, it would be amazing. And I can't remember what the movie was. I don't either. But we did. I think it might have been about David Lynch, though. Oh, okay. Um, I would want uh, the Satoshi Kon version of The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Ooh, that'd be so good. Oh my god. I love that answer. That's a good one. David Lynch's American Beauty. That's just Blue Velvet. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Kyle? You go first. I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking. Damn it. Foiled. Just put in some thinking music in the background. (laughs) I would also like uh, John Luke Godard's Memento. <laughs> no. Or like 60s Godard. Oh, that's no, good. Thank you. That that's, good. That's, a, that's a director's work that I can't stand because of the sexism. Which is hilarious considering you like Lars von Trier. Hilarious to me. Why is that? I, I, I don't really... I don't know. I, I would feel like, like that man abuses like, his actresses. I, <clears throat> I think that I don't know. I can't say anything about that. I would like Walt Disney's Blade Runner. Why are you so good at this? <laughs> I would like Wes Anderson's Star Wars. <laughs> no, Yours is a ridiculous joke answer. No, that's not one not, of your I favorite legi- movies. I, no, I would. Le- yes, that's true. But I would legitimately love. I think Star Wars would be a fantastic Wes Anderson movie because it's all about this father and son not getting along, and it's this disaffected family who have to come together and learn. Everything. That Star Wars would be a fantastic Wes Anderson movie. I would like the Cone Brothers bringing up baby. 
Aww. That'd be that so That would be good. a really great movie, actually. Or Clue. I think I'm they, trying to think of one more. Well. But I'm having a hard time coming up with favorite movies, even. Mm-hmm. Todd Haynes. Todd, Todd Haynes' is Cabaret. <laughs> I feel like it would be so much more depressing. That's that's why I can't answer this question, because I feel like the movies I would... Like, I almost said, like, so-and-so should do Modern Times. And I'm like, no, that movie's perfect. No one can touch that movie. Like, all the movies I can think of, I couldn't think of. My, uh, my Modern Times them. answer, which I was going to give if you guys still couldn't think of anything, was Diablo Cody's Modern Times. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I would love that. No. I would love to see... And this is my joke answer. Chris Columbus's 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> Give the like best movie ever to the most boring director ever made. Happy Columbus Day. We already got Luke Besson's 2001 A Space Odyssey. That's true, oh, and it's beautiful. So good. It's so beautiful. It's, great. it's called Lucy, listeners, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it's, be- it's beautiful. It's be- beautiful. It's like butter. Richard, I, I want to see Stephen Chow's The Avengers. Oh, I would love that. That would be great. It'd be such um, a good movie. Jean Rolin's Lust Caution. That one's for Destiny. <laughs> Richard Ayade is a Midsummer Night's Dream. Wait, say that again. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was about to explain who Jean Rolin was. Oh, God. I was going to say he's just a schlocky uh, uh, French director who makes uh, vampire movies that are kind of erotic, but in like the. Most in the least work. sexy way, because clearly anyone in that movie has never had sex and never <laughs> seen people have yeah, sex. Yeah, exactly. That's it, w- what Matt said. I would actually really love to see like Lars von Trier do another uh, do a screwball comedy or another screwball comedy if you count the boss of it all, or like uh, Rennet, which is a better screwball comedy. <laughs> what? The the kingdom, whatever it's called. Rosette? Rosette, yes. Martin Scorsese's Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> um That would be pretty alright actually. Tom Haynes should redo gentlemen prefer blondes. Quentin Tarantino's Eat Drink Man Woman. <laughs> <laughs> all these are great. These are all good answers. We could do this. Weirdly, here here is a goofy answer that I think would actually be pretty brilliant. Sophia Coppola's Rashomon. Oh yeah. Yep. Totally. I could see her doing that. It'd be great. I think th- those plenty of answers for everybody. Good answers, everyone. Good job. Well done. That was a good question. It was fun. I, I like that question a lot. Good questions coming in. Make makes up for all the bickering we did earlier. We have fun here. We do. The Marx oh, Brothers no old boy. Oh, I wanted to congratulate <laughs> Kyle because uh, he made it into the Dissolve's October 8th essential film writing for his well uh, Looking Back on Scream 4, the Harbinger of Franchise Fatigue piece in Film School Rejects. Thank so, you so much. People Thank you. Congratulations, Kyle. That's a big deal. Thank you. We've preemptively entered the plug zone before we talk about <laughs> next month's movie. Well, I wanted to compliment because of all the bickering. Oh, okay. Balancing out <laughs> negative with positive. Nice I of you. It. We're in the plug zone now. Are we? We have to talk about next month's movie. All right. Let's, uh, that's part of the plug zone. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the wrap-up zone. It's route. Uh, next month's my choice. So <laughs> that's why I you're decided... being a backseat host about this. <laughs> Wait, no, right. He's always backseat host about this, but that's why especially this time. As his romantic <laughs> partner, I have to call him out, though, when he's in the wrong. 
<laughs> um, fine. I'll sit back. Whatever. Jackson, tell Jackson, me what to do. We're doing next month. We're doing no. You do it. <laughs> okay, next month is my choice, and I chose Celine and Julie go boating uh, by Jacques Rivette. Uh, the reason I picked this actually was it played at the art theater that we poo-pooed earlier, even though we really like it. Uh, early, a couple like last month, month before, mm-hmm. and we didn't get to go see it. In part because we weren't going to movies much then, also because it's like three and a half hours long. But instead, I'm going to force it you is? all to watch it on your computer. Yes, it's 192 minutes. Uh, by the time I love you, love French movies. You just watched a five and a half hour cut of uh, Nymphomania. Okay, I really shouldn't talk. You win. <laughs> <laughs> I keep I keep threatening that I'm going to do like Berlin Alexander plots for this podcast and destiny keeps telling me that she will quit everything if i do i'll quit my life not just the podcast (laughs) i'll bring you retribution with bad video games not long ones just bad ones okay that's fair (laughs) so the plug zone after that it's gonna be a good episode next month uh you should all listen on the following ides but yes I'm Jackson Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at T-Y-L-E-A-002, Tyler-A-002. Me and Matt have a video game podcast called Abnormal Mapping at abnormalmapping.com. I think that's it for me. Destiny, you plug. All right. I'm Destiny. I have a podcast called Badland Girls. You can find us at badlandgirls.com and on the iTunes. Also, I recently recorded a um, stand-up epi- uh, stand-up television thing called On the Spot, which can be found on YouTube. Um, I don't remember what episode I am, but I'm in there. Just Google me. Is it on the Badland Girls blog? Uh, I'll put it there. So uh, look for that (laughs) in a week or so. I'll put it up there. This is only funny to me because I asked you the exact same question yesterday. And I know. I told you I'd put it up when I I did the next episode. No, I'm being a dick. Yeah, you are. The biggest. You're being Ben Affleck's side dick right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Flaccid side dick. In the shower. I'm only only turgid when I host. Fassie has some competition. (laughs) Well, if I wasn't gay before... Uh, you can find me doing video content on the Abnormal Mapping YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, put in Abnormal Mapping in the search bar. I do a lot of stuff. Uh, daily videos. And uh, I have a book club at booksforcrooks.tumblr.com. Uh, we talk about books. Me and Destiny and two of our friends. It's a good time. Uh, the book we're in now is Little Big, and it's uh, more big than little. That... I think the title's a lie. Yes. John Crowley. Oh, on Twitter, LitRock, L-I-T-R-O-C-K. Sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TyleKerner, T-Y-L-E-K-U-R-N-E-R. And I write on the internet about movies for various places, including as, as I am also the assistant editor on MovieMezzanine.com, and I also write for uh, TheBlackMariah.org, Under the Radar Magazine, Sound On Sight, Very Aware, IndieWire's Bent, and I also recently did something for Film School Rejects. And you can find my work at tilekerner.tumblr.com. And you can find my recent coverage of the New York Film Festival over there. Oh, yeah. Joe Cornish's Battle Royale. Yes. <laughs> Joe Cornish is anything he wants. <laughs> Joe Cornish is make another movie, please. Joe writes jo- The Great Gatsby. <laughs> Joe Cornish's Quantum of Solace. <laughs> <laughs> Never say quantum again. <laughs>